Hello and welcome to the Not From This Planet podcast, where we talk about books, writing, publishing and lots of other stuff. On today's episode, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently. So I'm Liz and I'm going to be interviewing Michelle about her book, Where's My Effing Unicorn? Uh, the book was published first in 2016 and then differently in 2017, which we will discuss. Um, so, Michelle, first question really is, what's the book about and where did you get the idea for it? So, where's my effing unicorn? It's um, <laughs> <that's> pretty <laughs> hard not to say the actual word. Um, is a self-help book but it's a self-help book for people who've read too many self-help books and their life is still um, bad. <laughs> Are we really not going to swear in this episode? Wow. It's um, a, yeah, an effing mess. <laughs> an, an effing mess. Um, yeah, so basically I... It wasn't really a conscious kind of thing that I wanted to write. You know, I just woke up one Saturday morning and I had all of these ideas and subtitles and just things just flowing through my head and I grabbed a pen and paper and started writing them all down and I realized that actually what I was writing down were all the reasons well excuses why my life was still a massive mess because I had read all the books I had done all the seminars and the webinars and my goodness by that point I'd walked on fire and broken arrows with my neck and done all sorts of crazy stuff <laughs> in a bid to you know improve and change my life and you know develop myself and all that crap um can I say crap yeah crap's okay okay crap's good. <laughs> um so so you know I'd done all of this stuff and yeah I woke up on that Saturday morning and to be fair I'd, I'd been on a date the night before and it was pretty good so you know that was that was fine it wasn't like everything in my life was terrible but um nothing really seemed to be working you know finances work career just everything was a bit you know my, my living situation wasn't you know ideal at the time and just thought my goodness I know all this information I know all of this stuff so why doesn't my life work <laughs> why does it look the way it looks and of course you know all of these ideas that were streaming through were all the reasons why it didn't work they were all my they were all my excuses basically and so um the funniest part is <laughs> all of this came through and I wrote it all down and I went oh that's that's a great idea yeah I'll do something with that one day and I kind of put it down and started going about my day because I had a lot to do and it wouldn't leave me alone that I was trying to have a shower <laughs> and the ideas literally were just hitting me across the head you know the words were just streaming through my mind and I was like this is not this is not going to leave me alone so I decided right let's just let's just write it then let's just do it and I sat down it's about 11 o'clock on that Saturday morning at the end of September in 2016 and I sat down started writing and I think I finished writing about eight o'clock in the evening and, and at that point it was pretty much done um I think I then added another thousand or more the next day on the Sunday um and then yeah I remember I sent it to you <laughs> yeah <laughs> I remember having a very long conversation about the title because um oh, yeah. I when I woke up with these things streaming through my head there was originally a title and it, it had gone by the time I'd got the pen to the paper so mm -hmm. I don't have any idea what the original original title was but I do remember at one point I was going to call it well the working title as I wrote it was don't give up <laughs> 
um, which whenever I see that file on my computer, it makes me laugh now. But um, and I remember, I distinctly remember walking through the lounge and you, I, I think I said, where's my unicorn? And you went, no, where's my <laughs> effing unicorn? And I went, that's it. That's the one. <laughs> and I remember trying the title out on a couple of people in the house and they were like, oh, yes, that's that. Yeah, that's the one. I was like, right, that's it. And yeah, I mean, you did the editing and I put it together as a, a Kindle book and I, and I made a little cover. And it was on Kindle by the following Sunday. <laughs> see, see, we can get stuff done when we want to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When we're excited and when something's fun, we just we just go for it. And uh, and it was really bizarre because I, I literally put one post about it on Facebook and then it went nuts. People were sharing it. It was selling like hotcakes on Kindle. This has never happened with any of my other books. So I was a bit like taken aback by this. <laughs> um and it just went crazy and it was it was quite high up in the rankings um yeah for a, for a few days <laughs> so um yeah and then um people were asking for a paperback and I was like you're crazy it's so short why would you want to print it <laughs> I remember actually saying that to people and then um and then another author was kind of twisting my arm to share a stand with him at, at Mind Body Spirit Fair in Birmingham and I didn't really want to spend the money on more mind body spirit fairs at the time. I mean, my finances weren't great, <laughs> um, but he was really pushing. And I was thinking, well, if I am going to do a paperback of the unicorn book, well, that's going to be the place to do it. You know, so yeah. I um, found a, a printer in, in Poland that was really good at the time. Some, I think the author had actually recommended the printer to me. Um, and I just got 150 copies of this tiny little, I think it was like, wasn't even four by six was it it was tiny it was a little pocketbook mm. um and I got yeah 150 copies printed and yeah three weeks later there I was off to the fair <laughs> um to yeah to sell the unicorn and it was at the mind body spirit festival that um we met the publisher that then republished it a year later yeah but um that that's quite an unusual twist in a story really it is publishing I mean, a book the the independent publishing part, the self-publishing part is, is fairly typical. You can do that. You can write a book in a weekend, you yeah. know, edit it, put a cover on it, put it on Amazon. You know, that's that's you know, that's you pretty doable. Do but but the yeah, the being picked up by a, a publisher like a month later, that was weird. Um and I didn't actually believe them at first. I thought I yeah, I thought they were just making it up. <laughs> um so yeah, that was kind of an, a weird one and I think the most ironic thing about the entire situation, the whole story of how the unicorn came about was that I hate the books that say how to write a bestseller in a weekend. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like I genuinely hate them. I'm like, that's ridiculous. You know, you're not going to write a bestseller in a weekend. Don't be silly. And then I did pretty much that. So that was a bit ironic and a bit annoying because then I couldn't say that it was ridiculous anymore because I oh. kind of accidentally did that. However, I reckon if you'd have followed the uh, the book, How to Write a Bestseller in a Weekend, you wouldn't have done it. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I think the reason that The Unicorn was so well received, and I think the reason that people love it, is because it was just written on this mad, joyful whim when I should have been doing six million other things on that particular weekend. And, you know, the last thing I should have been doing is writing a book about finding a unicorn. And... Um, I think because it was just, it was spontaneous. It was, it came really easily. 
I did it for fun. I genuinely didn't have any intentions for it whatsoever. I, I honestly did it just for fun. And I think that's why it turned into a book that people really love because there's nothing kind of forced or contrived about it. I literally did it for a, a laugh because it was funny. Um, and I think that's the thing when, when work is kind of created from a place of just pure spontaneity or fun or joy, then that's, yeah, that's when you create the good stuff. So do you think because of the way you wrote it and having no intentions or really, really any thoughts about what you wanted the book to become, do you think that made it easier then to decide to traditionally publish with the publisher who approached you? Yeah, I mean, I hadn't really put a lot of time and effort into it, really. Um, you know, it did come very easily and it did come quite quickly and I suppose I wasn't feeling too precious about it. I wasn't feeling too attached to it. It was kind of, it was fun. Um, and because, you know, that was a good thing because it did go through a lot of reworking over the following year, you know, bits got cut out. I mean, you'll remember that the original had a lot more stuff in it referencing like other books, other movies, um, mm. you know, other little lines in there. I mean, I still miss the bit at the end when I, I can't even remember, it was something along the lines of don't be, don't be a muggle because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we love Harry Potter but yeah obviously that got taken out because I think muggle, muggles like copyrighted or something um so yeah um oh yeah because the last line was one of the last lines you will remain an ordinary citizen forever in the, yeah and in the, it, it in was the like current copy yeah and it, the original was something along the lines of you'll just be a muggle forever so <laughs> um <laughs> So yeah, why, a lot of stuff got why, changed. Why do these people have to censor our Harry Potter stuff all the time? I know. It's just, you know, who cares if we get into trouble? I mean, I didn't care when I published it the first time around. I'm obviously. sure J.K. Rowling would have loved it. I think she would enjoy it. But yeah, so yeah, it got changed and, you know, we it was, yeah, it was quite a lot of work actually. I mean, it was like a whole year of work. <laughs> um the second time round the first time round was very quick and joyful and I have to admit after the year of working on you know the republishing of it I did I did lose the joy in it uh, to be honest by the time I was holding a copy in my hands I was I was kind of over it and I think that's from my point of view that's the the hardest part about the idea of tra traditional publishing is it takes a long time it involves a lot of people a lot of it's not in your hands and you kind of don't have a huge amount of control over the final product, et cetera, et cetera. And I found that really stressful because, you know, I'm a control freak. I like yeah. to, I like to know what's going on every step of the way. I like to know what's, you know, what it's going to look like. And, you know, it kind of shocked me that they didn't do a proof copy. Um, and I think that happens quite a lot. You know, a lot of pub traditional publishers don't do proof copies. <laughs> which is um, funny because we always do a proof copy always don't we? do a proof copy always. you know always because there's always things that you don't you, that you miss on the screen you know that you only catch when it's printed and yeah so that was quite terrifying and in fact well I say they didn't do a proof copy mm, hang on they kind of did but the cover was different do you remember you've got a copy somewhere I think um because I ended up with two but they were give you one? I don't think they were proof copies. They were just what they wanted to do and it didn't work. So they changed yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think they did it as a proof copy, but basically, yeah, they started printing them and they realized so originally, um well, originally of this cover, the entire cover was going to be silver with a white unicorn on it. Mm. And they realized that actually when they tried to print the back 
uh, the type on the back, it disappeared into the silver foil. It didn't work. So if you, yeah, if you do have a copy somewhere, you'll, you'll see that you can't read the back at all. Mm. So I think the printers started to do it that way around. And then they thought, oh, hang on, <laughs> you can't read it. Um, and it was a, but it was a super shiny book because obviously the entire thing was silver foil. Um, so at the very, very last minute, because of course I'd only seen the proof of that way around. Um, well, I say proof, they, they printed out just the cover, just the, the paper for the cover. Um, yeah, and at the very last minute, they just switched it so that it was just the unicorn that was silver on the front. Um, mm. And then and the, the rest, rest of it white. was just in black and white. Yeah. So, I mean, that was like a huge last minute <laughs> change, um, which was all very stressful at the time. I mean, obviously, I, I, yeah, don't remember most of it now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, But yeah, it was... Yeah, it was easy to sort of say, yeah, sure, let's do this. Let's give it a try. Why not publish it through a publisher, etc. And, you know, it turned out, you know, that it's a nice book, you know, it's all shiny, shiny cover and nice illustrations. You know, I, I love the end papers, you know, with the pink and black unicorns. Yeah, they're nice. Um, and, you know, I, I do love the illustrations, although, you know, I do think they are kind of more like children's book illustrations, which is what they didn't want. <laughs> hey um but i really like them so i don't really mind um the drama llama is still my favorite it was an interesting process but i think i i wouldn't necessarily jump at the chance of publishing a book through a traditional publisher again because you just you just don't have that control you just don't have the say in things and you know we've published so many books ourselves now um and for other people that yeah I just I just prefer the process of being independent I think um do you do you feel that um if this had happened with a different book so a book that you have way more attached to I say at any other festival that you'd been to over the you know the course of being yeah and they picked up any of the books so say one of the visionary collection or one of the earth angel series and then contacted you about publishing them do do you feel that you would have felt more hesitant because of being more attached to those books I, I would have said no I think one of the yeah. other reasons that I found it easy to say yes about this is that it was non-fiction and mm. it's the only non-fiction I've written um, well apart from choose your own reality which was added into the back of the doorway to Pam in the later editions mm. um, and I think because of that because there's clauses in traditional publishing contracts where you know, you you have to offer them any other further fiction or you can't um, publish, like, your own stuff at the same time. You can't compete. There's all sorts of different things. And, and I was able to kind of stipulate in the contract that they would only have dibs on other nonfiction and there would be no non-compete clause and all sorts of stuff. So, you know, if it had been fiction that had been taken on, then that would have been more difficult, I think, to to have that control over that. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I, I, at the London Book Fair, um, was this when, I can't remember which which book fair it was. I think it might have been after the unicorn had been picked up. But I, yeah, well, it must have been because, oh God, my memory's failing me now. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I met a very successful indie author. Um, and at the time, I was actually considering finding a publisher for the Earth Angel series because I was thinking, well, you know, it would be really great to get a publisher interested who had 
the distribution because I mean that's the thing with the unicorn you know on the distribution side you know they got it into bookstores all across Canada it was in airports in like Australia <laughs> you know yeah. they got it into you know they've got the distribution power which you don't have as an indie and I'm just thinking you know it'd be really great to have that kind of distribution power behind the Earth Angel series and at the London Book Fair you know I was looking around at the different publishers and I really was considering um yeah whether to actually get a publisher for it and I asked this independent author who's wildly successful he sold millions of copies of his book and I said to him would you ever consider you know going through a traditional publisher and he was like no absolutely not never he said there was absolutely no circumstance under in you know there's no circumstance he could imagine that he would actually go back to a traditional publisher and I say go back because originally one of his books was traditionally published and he republished it um and that kind of made me pause because <laughs> I was thinking well you know this guy's very successful he sold a lot of books you know and he's staunchly independent and so yeah after that point I started going off it <laughs> um, and yes actually that was at the beginning of the republishing of the unicorn because once we had published the unicorn I was thinking yeah no I don't think I'll do it <laughs> um, yeah. because at that point I just realized that I how much I prefer the independent process I I actually I really remember that book fair that you went to because uh, the publisher had like a mock-up of the unicorn yes. um, on their stand and I think you were holding it in a picture and sent it to me. And I went, eh, it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So originally I had one asterisk on the original cover. So it was just F asterisk C-K-I-N-G. And of course they wanted two asterisks because they thought that was more appropriate, but they forgot to take the C out. <laughs> yeah. But that of course, was you know, quite hilarious. Straight away wrong tell him tell him now <laughs> <laughs> that was actually quite funny though it was satisfying for me as well <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no it was yeah anyway let's talk more about the book and not the publishing process because yeah I know it's it's easy to get derailed into that isn't it absolutely so the book the book if if you if you were going to um if you're going to give a, a, like a quick example of why this book is is helpful to somebody who's read loads and loads of self-help books and doesn't oh, thinks oh not another one, what example would you give? I can't actually think exactly what chapter it is, or maybe it's just in general been a while since I've read this actually I should reread it a lot of people tell me to reread my own books it's quite funny um but I think the the concept that I try to get throughout is just to own your own SHIT <laughs> wow it's like a children's program now oh, um <laughs> it's, it's just it's just to own it you know it, it's fine to have all of these reasons not to chase after unicorns and your unicorn by the way in the book I don't think we covered this is basically the things that you want to have in your life so your unicorn is you know your singing career your unicorn is playing the guitar your unicorn is just something that you've always wanted to do and you never have or it's the relationship that you want to have or whatever so unicorns mean different things to different people and 
it's fine to have all of these reasons why you haven't got your unicorn and it's fine not to have your unicorn, but just own it. So, you know, if you love this complaining, but for example, there's a section on complaining. It's like, if you love complaining, fine, complain, like don't apologize for it or feel bad about it. If you like complaining, you like complaining. But if you don't actually like complaining or you're not aware that you're complaining, then you can do something about it and you can change it. And I think the whole feeling of the book for me is change your life or don't change it either way is fine like I have no intention of trying to change you or anybody else but just own it I I can't think of any other better way of saying it other than own it like own your complaining own your drama llama you know own all the excuses you know saying oh well I couldn't possibly do that or maybe I'll do that one day whatever just own it and (laughs) once you start owning your excuses they just disappear or they just don't become obstacles anymore so you know I used to hate it and this is the thing they're they're no longer triggers so we get triggered when people call us out on our excuses so you know it used to be kind of an insult to me if somebody called me a drama llama genuinely I would be (laughs) insulted I was like how dare you I hate drama I, I do everything possible to avoid drama how dare you call me a drama llama and then one day it kind of dawned that I'm a writer. I write fiction. I thrive on drama. Drama yeah. is my is my thing. Like I love the drama. And that's okay. You know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with liking drama. There's absolutely nothing wrong with complaining. There's nothing wrong with any of it. <laughs> no. It's just that when we are in denial of those things, they are triggers and then they are excuses. And when we own it, then they kind of either disappear or they become funny. I mean, genuinely, I had somebody call me. It was not long after the 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 unicorn had been republished, actually, or maybe just before. And somebody was having a go at me, and they called me a great big drama llama, and I could not stop laughing <laughs> because it was genuinely hilarious that this person was calling me a drama llama. Because I was like, "Hell yeah, baby, I'm a drama llama." <laughs> I honestly just thought it was the funniest thing ever. Because it had, it no longer had a, it was no longer a trigger for me. It was no longer an emotional issue for me. It was like, yep, that's me. And by owning all of these things, they then just disappear. Yeah. So at the end of the book, you you do talk about accepting your own reality and taking responsibility for things. You know, which is basically owning your own stuff, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> stuff yeah <laughs> yeah basically I mean I think that's yeah that's what I was trying to sort of say I mean I was basically yeah trying to say all of that from not having read the book for a while but I've flipped to the back of the book I have a copy in my hands um and yes I basically say it's time to accept your reality because you can't change what you don't accept therefore you need to accept it first if you want to change it and like I said, you don't have to change anything. I think this is the whole thing with the whole self-development industry, <laughs> you know, and it's a billion dollar industry, billion pound industry, is this concept of you should change, you you need to change, you have to change, everybody needs to change. And at the end of the day, actually, you don't have to. <laughs> I don't know if that's yeah. like a revelation to everybody out there on the self-help spiritual path, but you don't actually have to change if you don't want to. And chances are, if you don't want to, you're not going to change anyway. And all you're going to end up doing is beating yourself up for not changing. 
So you're going to read all these books and do all these seminars and be like, I've got to change. I've got to change. And it's like, but do you want to? And you're going to you feel know. bad about yourself as well. Exactly. And this, it's kind of the same thing with the beauty industry as well. It's like, you should want to look like this. And if you don't look like this, here's a bunch of products to look like this. And then everybody just feels bad about not looking like that. When actually there's absolutely nothing wrong with the way they look, <laughs> you yeah. know, and there is a section in the book actually about, you know, perfectionism, you know, and it's like everybody is perfectly imperfect and that's perfect. <laughs> you know, it's this idea that we're supposed to be a certain way. Or we're supposed to look a certain way or act a certain way or have a certain career or whatever it's all just bull poo. <laughs> um, you know, it's just actually, no, you don't have to do any of those things. You don't have to look like that or have a life like that. And I think, you know, when I wrote this and I was kind of like, oh my God, you know, I know all these tools. I've got all this information, but my life is still crap it was crap kind of by my own standards, not by some Instagram perfect standard. Um, I don't even know if I was even on Instagram at that point. Was I? can't remember. Um, you know, it wasn't by sort of like those standards. It was literally by, you know, my own standards of this is not where I wanted to be personally. And therefore I want to change that, you know, um, it wasn't because, oh, you know, so-and-so the same age as me is, 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 you know, they've got all this job and all this money and blah, 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 and I should be there. And, you know, I wasn't really looking at it in that way. But that's that's how we're kind of programmed to be, isn't it? That's what we're trained to do. We're trained to look at Instagram and all these perfect um, Instagrammers and influencers, and we're supposed to want our life to be like theirs. And Constant it's comparison. Not, yeah, and if and if it's not, then there's something wrong with us. And actually, no, there's nothing wrong with any of us. You know, it's and that's why it's about accepting our reality and accepting where we are, and appreciating where we are, even if it seems crap at the time, because it's still, you know, helping us to see where we want to be. You know, if you look around and think, "Oh my God, this is not where I want to be," great, because then you can see the opposite of what you want. You know, there's there's never a situation where it's so like dire and terrible <laughs> um, that it's it's actually a bad thing. I think you know, even when things are bad, it's a good thing. And I know that's really quite bizarre. And that's not about pos- putting a positive spin on things. It's not about being a Pollyanna-ish, you know, silver lining and all the rest of it. It's just the understanding that you know the shadows are a good thing. The dark is a good thing. The bad stuff is a good thing because it's helping us to appreciate the good stuff and it's also helping us to understand what we do really want because without the contrast we don't always and un- we don't always know what we want yeah i suppose if you don't know what the darkness looks like what why do you want to live in the light yeah and and also yeah to kind of get to where you want to be you kind of you need the contrast i mean i think pretty sure neil donald walsh actually says that when you ask the universe or ask god for something the opposite will always turn up first. And that's because it's the contrast. It's the, it's the you know, it gives you that comparison. Um, and I've, I've definitely had experiences of that, you know. I've, um, I've asked for something and, and the absolute complete opposite has turned up first. And I've been like, what is going on? <laughs> um, Why is so, that yeah. so true? <laughs> <laughs> 
because <laughs> you know we, we we need that you know it's like you said if we don't know what low looks like how do we know what high is mm. you know and if and if we haven't experienced the lows how do we appreciate the highs you know if I mean I remember I can't remember if somebody told me or if it was a story I read but there was the story of this guy who had been kind of sheltered his whole life from anything bad you know he'd been praised and he'd been told he could do anything and he'd never been criticized he'd never been um corrected even and he just lived this very sheltered perfect existence and then he went out and got a job in a regular company and he didn't last five minutes because he couldn't cope with being told what to do he couldn't cope with being told that he'd done something wrong he couldn't cope with just regular everyday constructive criticism if you like and it really just didn't do him any favors because he just didn't know what to do with the bad stuff he genuinely didn't you know didn't have any coping mechanism for that so I think yeah the more kind of the more shadows and the more darkness that comes along the the easier it is to to cope with anything that lands on your lap makes you more resilient absolutely yeah and resourceful and <laughs> just you know determined as well i think um you know it's 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 motivational isn't it <laughs> yeah. if thing if you don't hit rock bottom every now and then um then where's the motivation to to do crazy things or to change things or to you know, do go after something evil. I mean, how many times have you heard of people who have been diagnosed with life-threatening illnesses or diseases or conditions and all of a sudden they've just changed their entire life and, and done the one thing they've always wanted to do? Mm. And yet, if they'd never been diagnosed with whatever the problem was, they might never have done it. Yeah, it's true. And it's, you know, we need those catalysts, if you like, um, to finally go after our unicorns, which is kind speaking of crazy. Of, speaking of unicorns, let's talk about the mm. unicorns. Yes. So you can have, it can, it can be one big unicorn and lots of little mm-hmm. unicorns, perhaps. Yep. Yep. Every unicorn matters. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when you were, when you were writing the book and obviously with, you know, the, the title being quite a big thing here where's my unicorn yeah what what was your unicorn when you were writing it was writing it the unicorn at the time you know can, can it be <laughs> i guess a smaller unicorn yeah i think i mean at the beginning of the book i say you know my my main unicorn if you like has always been to to be a writer and to live as a writer and make a make a living as a writer and that's i would say that was still one of my main unicorns but yeah, I I think at the time it was just, it was to be in a better place with my relationship. It was to be in a better place financially. It was to be living somewhere that I wanted to live. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to admit, you know, over the last, well, what was it, 2017? So, okay, what, four years since it's been published? And I would say, you know, there's been times where it feels like all my unicorns have finally come home. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got all my unicorns in a row and... You know, everything's just, everything feels great. And then there's been times when it doesn't feel like I've got any of those unicorns and it's all crap. And <laughs> so, you know, I wouldn't say that by writing it or publishing it, you know, I've suddenly like found all of my unicorns and it's like happily ever after and all the rest of it. And, you know, the the book has, has done very well. You know, I mean, I think at last count it had 
sold around 15,000 copies, which is nothing to sniff at. Um, But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that, you know, writing it changed my life dramatically. (laughs) Um, You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's brought things into my life that I would never have otherwise. It's changed my perspective on some things, but like I said, there's, there's going to be, I don't think there's ever going to be a time when you have got all of you unicorns in a row and everything's perfect because that's not the point of being a human. (laughs) That's not kind of the point of life. The point is that, you know, we'll get unicorns, we'll lose unicorns, we'll decide that we don't no longer want them anymore. And that's just, I think that's just the joy of the ride, isn't it really? That, yeah, they unicorns will come and go and, we'll have new unicorns that suddenly, I mean, you know, as you know, in the last 18 months, one of my new unicorns has been to um, do my letterpress printing, (laughs) which, you know, when I look back over the last decade, that has been a unicorn sort of hovering in the background for some time. Um, You know, I was offered a press 10 years ago and I turned it down because I didn't have time or the space for it at the time. Um, and previous to that, I nearly had a go on a, on a press and then didn't. <laughs> so, you know, it just maybe it just wasn't the right time at those times for that unicorn to come forward. And then, of course, 18 months ago, it was like it was the time for the unicorn to come through. Um, and now I just I'm obsessed with it. I absolutely adore printing. And, you know, I, I a few years ago, I, n- I never would have said that that was what was going to happen. <laughs> I had no idea, you know. So different unicorns will appear at different times in your life as well. And I think it's never too late to go after new ones. You know, it's never too late to sort of say, I'm going to try and go for this unicorn now. And you don't also, if you get one of your big ones, doesn't mean you have to stick with it. <laughs> you know, no, I think we, we get this sort of idea that if we finally get everything we've ever wanted in our life, then we either have to give up at that point or, <laughs> you know, that's it. That's, that's all we, that's all we came to the planet for. Thank you. And goodbye. It's like, no, it's fine to have lots of different unicorns at lots of different times in your life and just to enjoy them. I think, you know, while they're around, if you've, you know, accomplished something or achieved something or attained something that you've always wanted, just enjoy it, you know, just revel in it in that moment. And I think, that is definitely, I mean, I talk about celebrating in the book because I, I definitely think, especially here in the UK, we struggle with the concept of celebrating. I think like we, so, definitely. Yeah, we really struggle with just, just you know, going out for a meal or, well, obviously not in the current last no. year. That hasn't been possible. But do you know what I mean? Like really just, you know, saying Let, let's, let's, you know, splash out and celebrate tonight and I, they're much better at it in the states you know when i've lived out in america they, they're much better at celebrating um and I, I sort of developed a little sort of um thing of celebrating where i'd go out and get a sorbet <laughs> <laughs> which sounds really bizarre but you know sorbet is pretty nice and obviously i don't do dairy so that was my kind of like ice cream if you like um but yeah celebrating and and <laughs> The Unicorn book itself, I mean, when I first, when it was first picked up by the publisher and, um, you know, there was part of me that was like, oh, this, this can't be real. This, they don't really mean it, you know, because it was such a bizarre situation the whole way it came about. And I didn't celebrate at that point. 
And then even when I'd signed the contract and the publisher had taken it on, I still didn't celebrate. And there was part of me that was like, well, maybe it won't happen. Maybe it'll fall through. I won't celebrate until I've got the book in my hand. And the thing is that by then, the excitement's kind of worn off. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know? it's, it's the fear of if I make a big deal out of this and then it goes away, I'll feel like an idiot. Yes, exactly. And yet, do you know what? If you make a big deal out of it, there's less chance it'll not work. Because mm. in a way, you've you've put so much more energy into it of excitement and happiness. And I always liken this to um, the gift from the universe story. <laughs> so it's like when you don't celebrate something that happens in the moment because you're afraid of looking like a fool in case it doesn't work out or whatever. It's essentially like turning up to a party with a gift in your hand that you have spent so much time creating or making, or you spent a lot of money on or whatever. And you go in there and you give it to the person whose party it is. And you're so excited to give them this gift because it's like the thing that they've been waiting for their entire life. And you, you just can't wait to see their face. And they just go, Oh um, yeah, thanks for that. And they just put it to one side. <laughs> so, I mean, what are you going to do? you're going to take that gift back and you're going to get the hell out of there, right? I mean, you're not going to leave it there, are you? <laughs> so you know, the universe is like giving you this gift. So like, the publishing deal, for example, you know, they're giving me that gift excited because it's like, we're giving her a publishing, like she's always wanted a publishing deal. This has been like a childhood dream. And I just kind of went, oh, okay, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And this is why I say celebration is just so important because the more energy that you put into that initial part, the more likely it is to be successful. I, I don't see how it could be any other way. And even if your version of celebrating is doing a happy dance or squealing really loudly and jumping up and down, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. And that's why it's really important as well to be, have people around you that you can tell about these things who will get excited with you. Um, I remember an opportunity was sort of coming up. There was a possibility a few years ago when um, there was a film producer who was interested in the Earth Angel series. And obviously, as we know, you know, nothing's actually come of that. But I remember when it first initially came up and part of me was like too scared to celebrate. Mm. <laughs> and I called up a friend and she just screamed down the phone. <laughs> when I told her, I was just like, this is a possibility. And she was just screaming. And I was like, wow, I'm going to tell you everything from now on, because that's the reaction that I need. <laughs> um, because it was almost like giving me permission to be excited, basically. Yeah. And, and it's crazy that we need permission to be excited. But yeah. But I, again, this is, I'm not going to say it's uniquely British, but it is very British, isn't it's it? It's very British. Because I am <laughs> I am that person. I am like, I, you know, I'm too uptight to be excited. You know, it's like so ridiculous. But I, unfortunately, I am. Somebody, if something really exciting goes up and I'm like, yep. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, that's it. And it's I, almost I, like an embarrassment, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, oh, um oh but that's a bit too good or it's a bit too exciting or it's not that what if, good really yeah it, what if I tell people and they think that I'm just being really up myself and too yeah, big for my boots and blow my own off, trumpet and showing off oh yeah. god showing off again and it's just it's so ridiculous it's unbelievable because and and one of the phrases that I I've said a few times in the I've done some talks about the unicorn book over the last few years was act on the inspiration of celebration so 
when something good happens and you're you're inspired and you're excited, like that that's when you act on it. That's when you celebrate. Not, you know, when it's come to fruition, when it's completed, you know, when when the you've signed on the dotted line. No. You you celebrate on that like initial act, you know, inspiration, basically. Because if you wait until later, it's never gonna have that same energy. No, because you know, your your excitement fizzles out. Whatever it is, it'll always fizzle exactly. out. Exactly. And the same thing happened with the actual writing of the book. You know, I was inspired on that particular morning. It was flowing. It was easy. So I acted on it. I, I just effing wrote it, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I could have, I could have not. I could have stuck with my to-do list. I could have said, no, 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 no. Go away. You know, don't bother me. I've got too many other things to do. Blah, 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 blah. I could have pushed it away. I could have said no. Um, but I didn't. I just went, all right, fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was literally talking out loud to this stream of stuff coming through. And, you know, while I was trying to have a shower, I was like, fine, fine. I'll go write it. Just leave me alone. Um, so, yeah, it's it's acting on that inspiration. It's acting on that moment of excitement and celebrating it rather than waiting till some later date when it's allowed. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, allowed to celebrate this yet you know yeah it's like oh you know because I mean yeah over the years there has been interest in you know my books for making into movies or whatever and and you know I have mentioned it to people and then later you know a couple of years later oh so did it ever happen no it hasn't happened yet and but I don't feel bad about it anymore I'm just like well you know things happen like that in the film industry and the book industry it's just the way it goes you know at some point when it's right when the right person comes along, when the time's right, when I make the right connection, whatever, it'll happen. So obviously, um, Unicorn is a self-help book. Do you, do you feel that writing the book has helped you in any ways personally, or has it led you to do something else? Um, I think it's definitely helped me to own my own stuff, um, which has obviously benefited me in a lot of different ways. And it's also, you know, it's connecting me with a lot more people around the world, a lot of Canadians, because they loved it in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I think it has sort of helped me. And also it's helped me, you know, in being able to help other authors, because obviously I can give them a perspective on traditional versus indie publishing and all the rest of it as well. Um, But, yeah, as a result as well, I, I sort of took the information from the unicorn and created this kind of method to get your unicorn <laughs> um and I turned it into some workshops and I, I ran a few workshops in person and then I created an online workshop which is available um which you can find through my website I think um and basically the it was like a sort of five-step process <laughs> yeah again I hate these like seven steps to whatever and yet I've created one myself so I'm such a Oops. hypocrite um <laughs> such a hypocrite but yeah so it's basically a sort of step-by-step guide and you could do the method through just reading the book but sometimes I think people like sort of step one do this step two do this and um so yeah I kind of created that and yeah and so I'm actually going to be um putting all of that together and there is going to be a unicorn sequel at some point and we are going to be working on that aren't we so Mm -hmm. um so yeah and that's that's hopefully going to give people sort of like a guide map to you know actually getting the unicorn because I think 
you know, the feedback that I've gotten from other people on how it's affected them, you know, for some people, they've just, just from reading it, they've just got off the merry-go-round with a toxic relationship, or they've, you know, finally gone after the career they wanted, or just, just owned their stuff. And that's just shifted everything. But sometimes I think, like, you know, sometimes it's better to have an actual sort of process. And the people that I've taken the pro- through the process, you know, it's just it's just changed so much for them. And obviously EFT, which is what I suggest in the book, um, is used as part of the process. And that's a way of reprogramming um, things that are holding you back, basically. So, um, yeah, so one of the things I so obviously I had to try the process out on myself obviously <laughs> you got to check these things work and one of the things that I tried it out on was um was creating my own tv show so I I'd always wanted to put together a little tv show but I had so many excuses so many excuses you know I didn't have the equipment I didn't have the lighting I didn't have the sound like microphones I didn't have the backgrounds I did you know on uh, editing equipment or software whatever I had so many excuses and as part of the process, you know, I identified all of these excuses. Why I hadn't just put together my own TV show, um, just like a YouTube TV show. So I identified all the excuses, you know, I used the EFT to reprogram and then I created this plan of how to do it. And, you know, within, I think it was within a month of doing that process uh, was when I recorded the first 16 episodes of Earth Angel TV. Mm-hmm. and it just sort of happened it was like oh look there's a unicorn <laughs> and I think that's one of the things that people kind of struggle with with the whole law of attraction idea is that there's this concept where you just identify what you want and you state it out loud to the universe and they just it just gets delivered to you yeah but you <laughs> do actually have to do some work you do I, actually I have to take action I I and, that's one thing that I really I don't say hate about how hate about that but I find it's like oh I would like to you know do this random thing and then you expect it to just turn up at the door or something yeah it's no like, I know you, you have to do stuff here guys. you have to do stuff and to be honest you know the stuff that you have to do is not even necessarily like massive stuff it's like make a phone call do some research you know tr- like look something up I mean literally the first step I did in towards um creating my tv show was to look at the price of lighting you know literally just go on amazon and how much would it cost to buy lights to be able to do the tv show so i went on amazon looked it up and there was this whole set of lighting it's like three different lamps and a bunch of other stuff and it was like 40 pounds i was like oh well that's really reasonable and i just bought it (laughs) I was like, well, there we are, that's step one. I bought some lighting. Got that's not an excuse anymore. And it just snowballed from that point. All of the excuses that I had just all literally disappeared. And it wasn't even necessarily action that I was taking. I mean, I remember my my housemate at the time just started talking about this editing software that she was using at work. And I was like, hey, that sounds perfect. What is it? And she told me, and I bought the license. But yeah, it just the more that you start off on the path towards your unicorn, the more synchronicities and, you know, people will turn up and things will happen to help you get there. But you still have to start walking. You still have to move towards it. And half the time, like a bit of research, like thinking, oh, gosh, lights for this or whatever. 
this going to be so unaffordable I'm never going to be able to get them mm. and then you look it up and you think oh actually yeah, yeah. I, could, I could put 40 quid towards this you know sometimes it's not even as like you're thinking of it as a mountain and it's not it's all little steps yeah yeah absolutely and and some of them don't even cost anything this is the thing I think money is definitely a massive obstacle you know stopping people from moving towards the things that they want and yet a lot of the ways to move towards it don't cost anything at all like like you know for one of the other steps I think was you know come up with lots of different names that I could possibly use and and check to see if those names have been used already or what is the perfect length of video (laughs) look at lots of videos how long are they you know, and so much of this, especially, you know, with the amount of stuff that we have access to on the internet, so much of this does not cost a thing. No. And so there's no, you know, there's no barrier, you know, stopping you from doing it. And that's the thing. It's finding the sort of accessible, affordable and easy options, you know, of things to put on your list um, for you to do first. And like I said, then other things will just crop up and appear um, and sort of happen quite magically mm. but you still have to take those you have to jfdr you have to actually take those action steps and that's what the whole thing of the process is it's you know it's going from identifying your unicorn identifying why you don't have it you know reprogramming and then moving towards it so yeah so we're going to put that together as a sequel um to the unicorn and that's it's on the slate isn't it mm. <laughs> along with a few other projects yeah. <laughs> um yes so yeah so i'd be quite excited to actually get that out to a wider audience because you know i want more people to find their unicorns because at the end of the day that's what life's all about quite frankly finding yeah. and riding those unicorns indeed so it's been it's been really great to talk about some non-fiction today because i love reading non-fiction it's pretty much my favorite and um, we're going to be looking forward to working on the sequel to the unicorn and we've got other non-fiction projects coming up soon as well haven't we so yeah we've been working on a memoir that should be coming out uh, in the next couple of months and it's called burglar to buddha Uh, it's by simon paul sutton and it's about his his journey from a life of crime to a life divine. <laughs> um, and yeah, so we're going to have him on the podcast and we're going to chat to him about his book. Um, and we're also hopefully going to have Adrian Inkledon Weber, um, whose book that I've been helping to publish and that's called Heal Your Home Too. Obviously, it's the uh, it's the sequel to Heal Your Home. <laughs> uh, in fact, Heal Your Home was the first book that I worked on for another author so that's really exciting that we've eight years later now published the second book um and that's all about how to clear your home of negative entities and energies and spirits Mm. so that'll be quite a fun podcast to do and then of course i will be interviewing you liz on your memoir little something Uh oh Uh -oh. i know you're looking forward to that one payback time (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, so we're going to have some really good uh, episodes on nonfiction titles because I have to admit, I mostly read nonfiction as well. I don't read a huge amount of novels anymore. It's, um, yeah, I would say for the last for the last 10 years, actually, I've, I've mostly read nonfiction. Isn't, isn't that strange? Does that just happen to everybody at some point? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, 
for me it was it sort of started I suppose when I was out in the states and I had a lot of free time and I found myself reading pretty much the entire contents of the sort of metaphysical spiritual aisle of the library <laughs> I think it was just setting off on the self-development journey for some reason you just end up reading a lot of non-fiction <laughs> but yeah when when I was a kid and as a teenager I never read non-fiction it was all novels so maybe there is some weird transition that people go through I don't know I love memoirs personally so I think Simon's book is a great one to look out for if if you're listening and you're like me and you love memoirs because it's a really really great story it is I mean there's some really hilarious parts to it and there's some really quite nail-biting parts to it um and it's yeah I I love Simon's book and I love Simon he's just yeah, he's a real down-to-earth, he's a great guy, and um, I can't wait to have him on the podcast. It'll be quite an interesting episode. I can't promise that there won't be any swearing in that, though. <laughs> so that, that book will be coming out soon, and that's uh, Burglar to Buddha. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We hope you found it interesting. Maybe it'll start you thinking about what your unicorns are in life. And uh, where's my effing unicorn, although I'm sure you realise that isn't quite the actual title, um, is published by Ammonite Press and can be purchased in bookshops around the world and on Amazon and Waterstones and all the usual online places. And if you've read the book, consider leaving a review. And if you like our podcast, also consider leaving a review. And if you've got any questions or if there are any topics you'd like us to cover, send us a message because we'd love to hear from you.